0: Now let's get into this week's show. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticamp. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. Here we cover a variety of topics that are going to help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thanks for tuning in this week. We've got a great episode for you. I got to catch up with my buddy, Sam Billhorn. Now this episode, we actually recorded for the Design Build Hunt podcast, which if you haven't listened to that already and you love all things habitat improvement, then that is going to be a great podcast for you, uh, pretty much putting all of my habitat improvement content on that specific podcast. So go give it a listen. But this is an episode from that podcast that I thought carried over really, really well to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, because we're talking about buying a piece of hunting ground now i don't care who you are and what you do uh chances are if you won the lottery and money was not an issue for you anymore not not a thing to consider you would probably go buy an awesome piece of hunting property like just no no ifs ands or buts about it right you would probably go buy a great spot to hunt and you know what that's awesome but a lot of guys don't know how to go about doing that. In fact, if you haven't walked through the process, it can be really, really intimidating. So in this episode, Sam and I kind of break down, what does it mean uh, to buy a piece of hunting property? What does that process of actually purchasing the property look like? What are we looking for when we look at different properties? What makes a property a good investment property? You know, One that you can sink some money into and not have to worry about whether or not you're going to get your money back out of the property. And then also, What does it look like to try to hire a real estate agent that knows what he's talking about? There are a lot of folks out there who can help you buy land, and they will do an excellent, excellent job. But there are also a lot of other real estate agents out there who maybe their primary focus is residential. And when it comes to finding you a good hunting property, they're not going to be the one that you want to use. So we talk about all that in this episode. Great episode. I hope you enjoy. Mr. Sam Billhorn. Sam, thanks
1: for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. It's uh, exciting to be here, and some great topics we have today.
0: Absolutely, it's a it's a good time of year. I know we're all kind of getting a lot of questions about this specific topic. I know it's something that's important to all of us, uh, and we're all kind of pushing in this direction more and more. It seems mm-hmm. uh, just as a, as a better way of serving our clients. But th- the topic of real estate—you know—we're in a time where everybody kind of wants to own. Uh, a little piece of their own of their own slice of heaven, I guess you could say. And when we come in on the design side of things, there is a lot on a property that we simply can't control. Oftentimes there are access issues that we cannot control. Oftentimes there are uh, features of the property that we can't we can't necessarily uh, undo some mistakes of the past. We have to simply wait some things out. We can't control the neighborhood that you're in and what your neighbors are going to shoot or not shoot. Um, but we can control a lot of that on the front end. We can do a lot of homework to mitigate some of those issues that we could run into on the front end when it comes to buying a piece of property, choosing a piece of property. So, Sam, here's where I want us to start today. Everybody wants to own their little piece of heaven. There's a big question, though. How much land do I really need? Like, do I need to go out and buy the thousand acre piece of property before I feel like I can make a meaningful impact on my habitat and on my hunting, or can I get by with less?
1: Well, that's always a hot topic. A great question. And the way I frame it up is this is there's, there's no two pieces that are equal. There's, there are 40 acre properties that I've seen that are far better than 200 acre properties. And just depending on how they set up and while, you know, regionally and, uh, you know, the, Topography of the region, the uh, makeup of the land, and what's there. Uh, there's so many factors that play into what makes a piece good. You know, you mentioned before the neighborhood, the this and that. And I would rather have a really good piece that's smaller and has some options to it uh, than just have a massive chunk of land. You know, to think like, hey, I got to go buy two or three hundred acres to make this viable, when in fact you can you can do with far less and then also when it comes to a smaller property it's easier to manage you know that when you have once you make the buy there's work that needs to be done if you're going to manage that ground and highly manage it as we do with uh whitetail improvements the habitat improvements and so on those are all things that roll into that and it takes time or cost or both uh, to accomplish those things
0: yeah, when you're helping a, a client, let's say, and you're looking for that, um, you know, those that parcel that's going to be in a good neighborhood, what are maybe some of the things that you're looking for to help them buy the right 40 in the right location? I think about it like buying a house, you know, you, you want to yeah. buy the 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 cheapest house in the best neighborhood you can afford, mm-hmm. you know, because then the sky's the limit of how I can improve this piece of ground. It's the same thing when it comes to, to buying a piece of property, it, it's oftentimes nice to buy the the diamond in the rough in a good neighborhood so how are you how are you finding a quote-unquote good
1: neighborhood right well you're touching also on our our checklist you know what we we do with a lot of clients is uh, when they're looking to buy a piece of ground is helping them zero in and we're kind of on level two you know the first level being like you know first things first budget general region you know we're talking states at this point in time uh, the price range, maybe idea of acreage, price per acre, some of those big things, and also some major things like goals. But then starting to zero in, you know, as, as we zoom in now to that like 30,000 foot view, we're starting to talk about regions or, or counties or even townships. What's there? And I think that some of the things we're talk, starting to look at are the balance of food and cover, you know, how much how much is there? Is it, is this, you know, it's primarily an agricultural region, but is there enough cover? Some of those things, and don't get me wrong, there's plenty of areas, just ask somebody out of Illinois if they're, if they can kill big deer when it's mostly cornfields, cornfields, the answer is absolutely yes. But, um, you know, trying to find that balance, um, I like to see a variety of things when it comes to cover and and agriculture. Also, it Topography, topography for me is huge, especially as we're talking central, and southern Wisconsin, uh, in the region, especially within the driftless region of what we have there. Looking at the having diversity of topography, those are some major factors. You know, give me give me some characteristic of that land that we can work with. That's also going to have some major influence on how we're able to hunt deer. Uh, Also, as we get a little tighter, zeroing in on neighborhood a few of the things on my list include, um, size of adjacent parcels. You know, if, if you have some neighbors that are big landholders, it's probable that their impact on the land is, is less per acre, if you will, than someone who has a smaller property. If you're surrounded by properties smaller than yours, there's probably a lot of pressure. There's a lot of influence around. So if you can find that, you know, the, be the, be the, uh, You know small house on the block so to speak uh same with a deer property if you can find a smaller property adjacent to some larger properties that's good and also i would say some really large uh, public land would fit into that category too it it's certainly open to the public to be hunted but if it's big and massive there's probably less impact per acre and and those are all things to consider and then you start to you know, get into real details of actual neighbor, you know, talking neighborhood now, those neighbors, are they, you know, are they active? Are they hunters? Are there signs of improvements on their property? So now we're starting to zoom in and, and look at isolated parcels. But, you know, that's kind of the big picture view of some of those things we're starting to zero in when we talk about region and neighborhood. Right, right. So we mentioned, you know,
0: a a smaller piece surrounded by larger pieces. I think that relates to the very first question. If somebody says, Sam, what's the, I understand every, you know, eight acre parcel or 10 acre parcel may be different than the other. What's the minimum that you would like to see though? Like if I, if I just had to press you and say, yeah, all right, tell me where I need to start. Here's my budget. What
1: do I have to get to in order to make a meaningful difference? I'll answer that, but first, I'm just going to qualify it by saying you, 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 the more size you get, the more forgiving you can be of these things we're looking for, the diversity, the topography, the breakup of the land, the neighbors, all those things. So this, and the inverse of that, the smaller you get, the more particular you have to be. There's right. some excellent you know, 10 or 20 acre properties that, can, that do all those things, but you need to take into consideration other factors. How many hunters are there? Do you hunt a lot? Is it just you, you know, like what, how much pressure are you going to put on there? There's, there's some guys I know that'll buy a 20 acre parcel. It's only them hunting it. And they only go in there in the key times and they have some excellent pinch points and, and they're highly successful. How are you going to hunt it? If you're going to put more pressure on it, you might need to have 30 or 40 acres or even 60 or 80 acres. If you got a lot of people hunting it and, and all that again, now we're starting to get into details of habitat design and access and uh pressure and being strategic about when we hunt and some of those things start to come in but to zero in and answer your question i like to see somebody jump in and get 30 or 40 acres and the reason for that is in all the designs we've done which we've done hundreds now i i look at it and say to get a full complete design having all those features and having some developed corridors having some improvements that really hold dear you need to see about that 30 acre mark uh, as my experience it gets so much better when you get to 50 or 60 and it starts to get comfortable at 80 or 100 you know and again all those factors of where that sliding scale is and i'm speaking in generalities again you might be a guy who owns 10 acres and you live there even and you've got some awesome spots that you're successful on that's absolutely true that that can happen uh but i think just to to qualify it to Habitat management and all the things that we're doing, laying out a plan. I like to see that. In one simple example, I just did a property. It had all, it checked all the boxes. It was 28 acres and we had a nice complete plan uh, for a couple guys to hunt for archery. And I think they'll be successful with it. Right, right. Well, very good. Now let's shift gears
0: just a little bit and talk about uh, kind of what makes a good purchase on an individual piece of property. Um, you know, as I think through my first couple of homes that I bought, uh, our budget, obviously as recent college graduates was relatively low. Um, and so the question that we were asking as we walked into these fixer uppers was which of these homes has good bones. That's what I kept telling my wife. This one doesn't have good bones. And the one we settled on, I said, Hey, this one has good bones. If we buy this location, if we buy this home, I can make it what you want it to be over the course of the next couple of years. I can do some work to it and we're not going to outprice the neighborhood, right? We're going to, we're going to make improvements. It's going to stay within what is, you know, the market value of this area uh, but we don't have to spend a fortune coming in. So maybe what are some of those things on a property that gives it uh,
1: good bones, so to speak, not on a neighborhood level, but on an individual property level. Great question. Two things that come to mind. And one is with the mindset of developing it for hunting success and other, the other is in the mindset mindset of developing it for resale. So, and there, there are two things they can work together for sure, but I think there's some things you're going to do with a mindset for resale that you may not do with a mindset for your hunting. So first of all, for your hunting, some of the things I want to look for, are excellent pinch points and funnels. Some areas that cover comes together. Um, these, you know, our plans are heavily developed on travel-based hunting. Having deer move through an area, we want deer to uh, cross the landscape and be at, at points that we're able to hunt. Um, we want to have the opportunity to put food in. I, I would really have a struggle to buy a property myself that didn't have. A few acres on it that I could do some food plots. That's such a strong attraction. It's such an important factor in design. Even if I had to do clearing, that's great. But I've seen there's these properties where they are 100% timber, 100% topography. You know, there's there's slope everywhere, and there's very limited areas for uh, any sort of food plotting. So that that's a huge consideration for me. As far as a, I don't have many deal breakers. I we have a lot of tools in our toolbox to work around things and make good designs, but that's one of them. We just can't change within reason. I mean, you could talk about some heavy excavation to do something perhaps, but that's not uh, the average person that's going to be doing that. Uh, the other concept for resale is we want to make it look good and, uh, and, and sell well. Right. So the improvements, it's like putting money into the kitchen if you're doing a development of your house. Right. So, um, the things I think about, obviously, are putting in some quality food plots, but also putting in quality, quality stain quality blinds, having qual- a great hunter access, not just functionally to execute your hunting, but having well-groomed trails, um, having it show well. Those are some of the things, if you're looking at this as an investment to move on and move up, uh, that there are things you want to keep in mind. And if you're working with somebody uh, like us, it's to to have that and put that on the table right away. I, I met with a couple guys a few weeks ago that uh, they they laid out that they want to flip this property in a couple years. And that really helped to know that because our approach was slightly different to make sure we were doing things that were of good value in that resale category. Right. Very, very good. So let, let's now jump from
0: that into the buying process then. There are uh a lot of folks out there who can help you buy a piece of property. There's one thing though that has made me scratch my head uh oftentimes in in real estate. And that is when I I, I view a listing and it says things like premier hunting property. Um just show up and hunt. Turnkey. Um, turnkey. Mm-hmm. Uh ready for you and your guests, right? Mm-hmm. And what they mean by that often is there is a two-man ladder stand in three locations and they threw out some clover and rye grain mm-hmm. um, in, in some clearings. That's not necessarily the case. So, so walk me through maybe that, that process of, of finding the right real estate agent or salesperson for what you're hoping to accomplish as someone with hunting and habitat as a
1: priority. That's right. Awesome, yeah, I mean, and, and obviously the go-to there is don't 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 employ that uh, residential realtor. You wanna have somebody who's experienced in land, as a, a land professional. That's step one. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't get by that step. They just say, well, I got somebody who does rural, real estate, so they, they must know deer properties. And I think that's the the, the thing that we're trying to um, talk to and approach with whitetail partners is uh, consider this with the eyes of a whitetail expert. What do they know? What or what can I learn from having you know, listened to podcasts and things like this that I can know coming into these situations that one, I'm going to see past that marketing. I mean, marketing is powerful. Right. It grabs us. This, these are emotional purchases. And when you read those mm. words, you know, if you're interested in that listing, there's a good chance you've read that listing three or four times, if not more. And those words start to just become ingrained in your thinking and it works. It sells properties. Some of the things you mentioned, and I touched on it before with resale, some of those, you're know, putting out some quality products, maybe that you know, really hunting blind in the middle of the food plot. Those things show well in pictures, but they don't hunt well and kill big bucks in most areas. And I think that what we're after is understanding whitetail expert first. Understand how you set up a property, some of the basics of uh, land management and habitat design, and incorporate that as you're pr- approaching a property. One of the things I wouldn't be looking at the lay, you know, a lot of these listings come out with a layout saying, "Here's the food plot, here's the hunting stand, here's that this and that," and I would encourage people to just wipe that map clean and say where's my access? How do Mm. I get at this place? You know, if I'm going to the, let's say there's a cabin or a, a home on it. If I'm going there, what areas am I impacting on my land? You know, if I have to drive through three quarters of the parcel to get to the cabin and it's right in the middle of it, you know, I'm, I'm wasting a lot of hunting land on that human impact. And that's just one aspect. There's 20 that we'll look at when we're evaluating a property and advising somebody on the ability of developing it for whitetails. Right. Right.
0: So let's now shift over a little bit and talk about that buying process. Once you've found someone that you believe to be trustworthy, as far as helping you accomplish your goals with a land purchase, which again is extremely, extremely important. Um, what does that buying process look like let's start with the down payment a lot of guys uh that's kind of where they're stuck right now is in that process of either trying to save up a down payment or trying to understand how much down payment do i really need on a property and it's not quite like buying a home
1: no it is different i mean a lot of the processes are similar so those who have purchased a a home for example are going to have some of the the concepts in mind when it comes to a real estate transaction uh, as an agent, the first thing I'm going to tell somebody is, do you, how does your financing work? Do, do you have cash? Is it Are you going to take a loan for it? What are your financing options? And for most people, it's talking to a lender. And again, back to the um, home buy versus land buy. Make sure you're talking with someone who's familiar with vacant land purchases and can advise in the financial end, now I'm talking meeting with a, a lender, uh, to go understand what types of loans are. You know, the interest rates are different. If you're looking at a 30-year conventional loan for a home, you're not looking at the right interest rate. It's going to be higher, uh, and it's going to be a shorter term. All the That secondary recreational land is a higher risk loan for any lending. Uh, they're going to have a different rate on it. Now, uh, the, the also, the down payment. A lot of times, you're going to be required to have a higher percentage. That will vary depending on how that loan is is set up. But your first familiar with a, uh, and I would recommend a, a local lender that is familiar with vacant land. You get to know that person. Maybe as you learn more, you might reach out to a few others for a second quote. But you know, you got to know where you're at before you start shopping, or, or you're going to get beat out. A lot of land deals go quick. The quality parcels are still being bought on cash or people have their financing in order. Uh, You're not going to get there and say, you know, i put in an offer with the four others uh, that, and I still need to go figure out my financing. You want to get that done first. Right. Right. So
0: obviously this is a huge investment, right? When we're, when we're putting down money on a piece of property, whether we're paying cash or whether we are financing the property. What are some of those opportunities that you see out there for individuals who are who are buying a property? It's a bit of a stretch for them. It's not exactly easy. Right. And that that, I think that would make it most of us. It's not exactly easy uh, to afford a piece of property. So what are maybe some of those opportunities uh, as they look at the long term expense, whether that be cost share programs that we can look into? Uh, revenue opportunities off the property. How can we ease that burden as we look at the next 10 years of carrying a note potentially, or taking a large sum of our cash and putting it into a piece of property?
1: Yeah. So that next step is evaluating that call it short or midterm process. You know, make sure you can afford the payments. It's comfortable for you, or you have plans to earn that income, all those things. Having an income source with the property uh, is It's certainly possible if you're looking at a smaller parcel you're not necessarily going to get a ton from tillable and you're also basically taking that ground out of uh your ability to develop it for whitetails which um on, on areas that have a lot of tillable if we're talking properties that have 20 plus acres of tillable um you're you're going to um, maybe be able to take some of that back, but still have a decent revenue from it. You might have a timber sale if if you uh, you know get to know a forester, a private forester that can go look at things and advise you or learn the basics of what to look for. You may have an opportunity to do a timber sale. Obviously, understanding any requirements that you have coming in, if it's an existing government program, or maybe you buy into those programs as a advisor for. Uh, property development and, and all these whitetail uh, ideas and concepts that we're bringing out there. Sometimes it's difficult with those programs to work side by side. It's better to figure out our plan first and then go into those programs for cost share and whatnot. Um, but it's certainly possible. Um, I think it, the only mistake I see people doing is on day one signing up for it, and then they put the handcuffs on of what they can and cannot do with their property. Right. Uh, but back to the subject at hand, I'd say the uh, know what you can get and and the biggest mistake i see a lot of people make and it's worth it's worth acknowledging here is just waiting too long you can spend five years looking and pondering and figuring things out it's better to buy a smaller piece and start learning you know do the do the habitat development do a plan try some things out improve it and add value and then like you said before roll that into a bigger property move up and move on and in five years, you'll be able in a much better place to go buy a larger property. Right. Right. And, and I think, you know, it's important to note here for those who
0: maybe aren't familiar, uh, 1031 exchange incentivizes you essentially in f- to take that money and that you would gain from a, uh, a real estate sale and roll it into another, another property. And it will be, you know, tax free. Essentially, you're able to, to not have to spend that money, um, also, when it comes to, you know, buying a piece of raw land, there is a lot of room. I've, I've heard people say there's not a lot of room out there. If you buy a piece of property, it's not like a house. You can't fix it up and then expect to make a lot of money off of it. And that may be true in some areas and it may be true in some markets, but there is a lot of room on a truly raw piece of land. Right. And this is, especially speaking as a, as a Southerner, I'm looking out at the, the, the Sea of Pines, right, that we've got down here. There is a ton of room. To take a piece of property, um, you know, add improvements, get it, you know, to where it's hunting well. Have a have a plan, have a design, mm-hmm. uh, spend a couple of years enjoying that piece of property, and I think you'd be surprised at the return on your investment.
1: What? Well, and I'd add to that too. Think of it as building a resume for that property. One of the yes. most important things that you yes. can have is high quality trail cam pictures, pictures and video. Um, having those harvest pictures, even even any deer. okay, just showing uh, that there's hunting success on the property, having pictures in all seasons, an inexpensive drone and take some photography of your property throughout the various seasons. You bring in an agent and they might do a nice marketing package for you to get it ready for sale. But that might not be at the right time of year to show some things you get those green food plots with those golden leaves and you start taking pictures of that. Uh, Those really help uh, sell the property and and drive the value up. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Another, uh,
0: another piece to that is if you can have a plan, I think that you can Mm -hmm. say, Hey, we have been operating off of a habitat and management plan. Here it is. Here's what it looks like moving forward, you know, so you have the next year of your work, if you buy this property mapped out for you, here you go. You know, I think that, I think that's a huge uh, benefit as well. May not, it may not say, all right, well, this property is going to sell for 500 more an acre Then if you've got that, but it will increase, I think the sellability of a piece of property and help others see what may not be there yet. Maybe you haven't fully realized your vision for the property, but you are ready to move on. Well, it helps others see the potential that is there in a property. And and as 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 you know, Sam, when it comes to selling a piece of property and when it comes to consulting, a lot of our job is to help people see what is possible on a piece That's of great. property and what we can yeah. accomplish. So uh, Sam, let's let's just circle all of this up and maybe tie a bow on it and say, how can we at Whitetail Partners help folks who are looking to buy a piece of property or potentially list a piece of property?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, our podcast is called Design, Build, Hunt, but uh, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that buy and sell side that goes on either side of that. When you're in the market to buy, uh, we are here to help you. So there's two ways that we do that. One is on the consulting side of saying, hey, are, we are first and foremost whitetail experts and habitat designers. And with that, we can you know, be a trusted advisor to understand, is this a good property? is this something that I can move forward on? I, it's a tough conversation to have with somebody that just bought a property that had us out to design it. And you look at them and say, you got a lot of things working against you here. Mm -hmm. Uh, That that's a tough, that's a tough conversation and you try and soften it as best you can, but you want to be truthful with them. Right. Um, And, and, and then the second way is uh, by providing those uh, agent services, the brokerage services of, and in some States we have uh, agents. Uh, I'm in Wisconsin here. We have Brennan. Um, and Greg in Ohio, but we also have a network of other agents uh, through our brokerage that we can connect you with to help you with those portions of uh, the transactional process of of buying the land, but at the same time, be at your side to advise on on the whitetail end of things. Hey, what do you have? What can can you do with it? And all of our team is here to help folks do that. Right. Absolutely. Well, Sam,
0: thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. I look forward to uh, many more episodes discussing real estate. I think this is something that is on a lot of people's mind and uh, something that I think we have barely scratched the surface. So thanks for joining me. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me, suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.